Hey listeners, just two short notes before you get into this episode. First, I was having some audio issues and some software issues, and so the audio quality from my end was a bit lower than what I set the standard for myself, and so um, just know that following this episode, I've got it all fixed, Um, and so... The audio quality should be back to where it has been in previous episodes, if not, hopefully better. And the second note, I had some unexpected dental work the the morning of this interview, and so um, I was having difficulties talking, uh, and you'll hear that um, as I've talked a little bit different uh, when I do come up and speak. And secondly, uh, to that second part, um, I was also having issues carrying the conversation as well as I would have liked. Again, that was just because of the unexpected dental work, um, and my face was coming down from being very numb. Uh, so that being said, I really hope you enjoy this episode. I think it is a nice little tag-in with the other episodes that we've had. Um, with that, let's get to the episode. Uh, yeah, if, if you want, I'm absolutely down for that. Like I said, it's the guest experience, so if they if they do want to do it that way, I'm more than happy to accommodate. Cool. Let me see why my levels are weird, and then we can start. Why am I so quiet? What's going on here? All right, this is just a day of audio weirdness. Okay. Yeah. <laughs> All right, yeah, no. From my perspective, I'd rather us talk. Absolutely. Okay. That's, that's my whole thing. Uh, I'm, I'm, I work better talking to someone, uh, mm-hmm. having interactions with people, um, in terms of my like creative abilities. So mm-hmm. I, I would love to just like us talk. So like when you invited me on the show, mm-hmm. I mentioned that I had two interests in the show. One, I'm very open about my OCD and the other mm-hmm. is I'm investigating a cult and mm-hmm. I'm kind of trying to bring cult education and just documentaries in general about stuff, like making it more accessible for the lay person to have fun and like actually understand it. Um, so what, which, which of those two was the more interesting to you? Um, well, the purpose of the show is just to talk about like mental health. Um, and so, like, in the beginning, let's just focus on talking about mental health, and then um, we can start to bring in the uh, uh, the podcast well, uh, and well, investigation. What I think is so interesting about cults, though, is mm-hmm. it is mental health. A lot of people mm-hmm. think it's this belief system. But what we've learned, that's the reason that I wanted to come on, what we've learned, it has nothing to do with beliefs. It all has to do with the mental health of seeing cultic patterns in your life, seeing people that would manipulate you, that want you to believe stuff, that want you to, to, I mean, the pathways to get someone to join your cult and the pathways that an abuser gets you to follow them in the same way and be loving towards them, they're identical. They're they're virtually the same. And the thing that we found shocking is when we started doing cult stuff and we talked about how do you get someone into a cult, the response was oh man, that's exactly like this abuser I was with. Or, oh wow, that's exactly how this happened. And the, when we went to the cult experts with that, they said, yep, it's the same thing. So with that in mind then, uh, definitely want to hear that in the show. But uh, with that understanding now wrapped up, 
um, then absolutely let's go with this. Um, just talking about it all the way through wrapped up in the whole conversation instead of kind of trying to separate it and bring it in. Does that yeah. make sense? Yeah. Kay. Cause I, uh, cause I think, wait, so if we're, I, I was already starting. Is this, did you, did you, did, we can still oh. keep going, right? Like I, I want yeah. that in there. Yeah. Yeah, absolutely. So like for me, I think that, that with having OCD and being really open about OCD, I think that there's a lot of like, there's a lot of say nothing things in the world of mental health, like ending a stigma or whatever. And I think that one of the things that we don't do is like talking practicalities. And so we're really trying to be like, Hey, here's a practical way to do things. And like, what is the practical way for, for me to talk about mental health? And that's to like point out signs of like looking at yourself in life. Like, I think that if there's a problem with mental health in the world, it's that we use words like mental health, which have nothing to do with like what I'm going on with my OCD and mm -hmm. what someone who's in an abusive relationship is going on with and what someone in a cult is. What do you think about that idea? It's just like, like even just as a thought experiment using the word mental health, like, well, what is ending the stigma of mental health? Does it just mean talking about therapy well like yeah that's that's great that's 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 awesome but doesn't really have to do with like my condition or anyone else's condition you know what do you think about that yeah well um i mean there's a lot to unpack there just like what you know what is really ending the, the stigma around you know mental health um and I don't know, it's like that's almost too broad to really give any kind of like answer to. You really got to just break it down even further into, you know, focusing on like talking about it or like normalizing, um, uh, counseling, utilizing uh, counseling services. Um, I, they're all kind of like these roots to the big tree that is mental health. Does that make sense? Oh, yeah. Totally. And I think that that's why like some saying something like, oh, we just got to do something about mental health. It's like mm -hmm. it's like we, we've come across this this analogy, which I think is interesting, even though we, we've actually spoken to some people who have worked in the anti smoking world. And I've had some brush ups with the anti smoking world because of their their tactics. But, um, you know, people have said, OK, compare it to anti smoking and someone said to us, well, look, you need like, in order to stop the cult that you're going after, you need like a, the same fervor that people had to stop smoking. And with investigating the cult, that kind of works. It's like, Hey, if we get the word out there that MGTOW, we can go to MGTOW as a cult.com, you know, or hashtag cult.org. And these, we're explaining how people use the internet in new ways to create a cult. Great. You can learn what a cult is. Great. Like that's actionable. Look for the signs in your life of a cult. Like that's a mental health sign that, that everyone can do. Who's trying to coerce you? Who's trying to get you like on your team or to do your multi-level marketing or to whatever, um, <laughs> you know, that's something you can look out for. Who's trying to get you into it? An abusive, crappy relationship, right? Like that's actionable. And so the comparison to anti-smoking works, right? Cause it's like, what do you want people to do? Oh, stop smoking. Great. Actionable. And the stigma of mental health, like in all those reasons you risk, it's like, um, I don't know. Like that's not a, that's so broad. Like what would you like, like asking people if they need help? Like, okay, that's good. But like, 
maybe they are not ready to go. And so what do you ask them every single day if they need mental health help? Like, uh, uh, talking about being in therapy. I think that's an interesting angle. Like there's no actionable item of just ending just like, it's pretty much like saying like, just stop being racist. Just go ahead and stop having your prejudices. Like that's essentially what you're asking people to do. when you're like, let's just end the stigma of, of mental health. And it's like, for the most part, the people that can end it are either doctors in the field or they're really, really great cases of people that, you know, have been through treatment and do all these different things. I'm in a weird, unique opportunity where I talk about my OCD on air and talk about how I feel about it. And, and you're, you're also one of these, these people too, right? You can take a platform. It's, it's distant, but like, you know, are you going to talk about it at a party? Maybe, <laughs> you know, if someone, for example, has a, a total freak out, a total panic attack in a social setting, is everyone forgiving of them in having a panic attack? Do you stop and examine if it's a panic attack? Like that's the part that I, that I find a challenge when we talk about mental health and what's interesting to me and making it more accessible to the layperson is like, what do you mean by that? You can't just talk in like grandiose terms, you know? Yeah, absolutely. <laughs> you bring up a good point. Like how, you know, you could be in a room full of people that are like, let's normalize mental health or, or counseling service or anything. But like how I'm just picturing it in my head, like how that room would react if somebody suddenly had, you know, um, uh, a, a random fit or, you know, a random panic attack. How, how would they react to that too? And I guess it would also depend like which are, are they coming from just, you know, saying, are they all people that just say, we need to make sure that everybody has access to services or are they people that are like mental health, like advocates who are actively like working with, you know, caseloads, like it'd be, mm -hmm. it would be, it would be almost impossible to get a straight answer out of anyone. And so there's this weird, like mm -hmm. to, to me, when I, I, I come at this, not as an expert in mental health, my only expertise in mental health is my own diagnosis, you know, and how crazy I am. Mm -hmm. So like <laughs> when I come at these things, I'm always like, what is my connection to it? How can I, as a lay person, make it something that people care about? And I get really upset at say nothing things just as a, as a person say like, let's, let's take care of, let's not have the stigma towards mental health. Well, what a, <laughs> okay. Let's let's, it's the same as saying like peace on earth. It's a mm -hmm. great sentiment, but outside of a pillow, it's not, <laughs> really going to do anything it's, <laughs> so it's like it's like yeah peace on earth i'm in favor of it what would you like to do about it oh i don't know i just peace i want peace okay great well what do i do if what do i do if i'm attacked yeah but peace on earth yeah that's okay but you're not like <laughs> you know like how do we how do we st make an actionable thing not to say that being attacked is some legitimate reason to not have peace on earth but the point is is that the analogy starts to make a lot more sense when you start to think like Okay, most of your listeners, right, are going to be like, I don't want there to be a stigma towards mental health. Yeah, I agree with that. Okay, what's next? And I bet they know people in their life, some of your listeners who are like, you know, oh, I do X. I work at X job. That's how we'll end it. But I bet they know people in their life that if they were to confront them and go, what do you, what do you think I mean when I say end the stigma of mental health? And they'll be like, you know, 
just and that's just getting rid of they won't have a how they'll just stutter <laughs> they won't have a how and and my role is to be a layperson and go how do you make it interesting how do you make it funny how do you make it accessible and understandable we're trying to be like the bill nye of mental mm-hmm. health things there's this attitude on the internet and i just did an episode about it in hashtag cold podcast it's like uh you you don't have to be insufferable to be smart. You can be like fun and nice. Like especially for me, like I've been through hell in mental health. People in my life have been through hell in mental health. People in my life have been through coercive, abusive relationships. I've had brushing with cults. I know cult members. I've lost people to cults. Like while we're educating people about it, they're not going to jump in, you know, just because, because we're being super serious. We can enjoy yeah. it and get more people to care, you know. Absolutely. Absolutely. And that, I mean, that kind of just reminds me, uh, you know, of the whole purpose of this show, Silent Journeys, is that, like, I'm not trying to be like this big thing where it's like, this show is ending the ending the stigma. My, my whole, my contribution to that tree is simply providing a space where voices can come and they can get it out and say what they've been wanting to say and they don't feel totally comfortable saying it, you know, directly to people around them. It's just like you come on here and if you want to vent for five minutes, you can vent. Or if you want to talk about like the experiences that actually led to you, uh, uh, if you want to talk about the trauma that actually led to, you know, your depression or your PTSD, like this is also that space. And so it's just like sharing these stories to make sure or to not not to make sure, but to show others that people have similar experiences and there are lots of others that are also experiencing, you know, anxiety similar to yours. You know, here's a story of, you know, that person. Yeah. You know, I'll share a story like that in the vein of the other guests too. Cause my whole thing is I started podcasting cause I want to interact with people. I was, mm-hmm. I started in standup comedy. I felt as though I developed a style, uh, after I had sort of done the classic thing and wanted people to interact and I felt as though audiences really had to be there for you and get what you were doing for it to work. And so I was like, well, I'll move to podcasting where people know that. Um, so I, I like to interact with you. So thank you for doing my episode talking to me, but like I'll share a story in the vein of some other guests. Like I think sometimes when we think of mental health prejudice as someone with, you know, a diag- diagnosed OCD, what you think people think is it's like, well, yes, it's the people in your life that don't get it and it's the people that don't know what mental health is. And yeah, that, that happens too. I've had it at doctor's offices. I've had it with, with my GM who was the same person who I went to a, um, a therapist. Uh, so they weren't a psychiatrist. They were a psychologist, whichever one it is. I don't know. I just paid them money to make my brain better. But so my prescriptions were, were given by somebody else. And this doctor prescribed me those things, you know, and yet I came to their office and had a panic attack and they were totally unsympathetic. So we, we sometimes think and I, I had it at a, at a dentist, too, where th- th- someone working there was acting totally strange. And I walked out. Cause I was like, this is a weird way to act. And like, it's, it's creating OCD in me. I have to leave. And they were totally, totally prejudicial. And it took sitting down with the people running the office the you know, head doctor to be like, this was weird. And this is why for anyone to even start to get it. So like, that's to say your credentials don't give you not a blind spot. Like there's somebody listening to this with way more credentials than me. Who's like, 
you know, oh, like I get it. You know, I get the problems with this. Everyone is, everyone has this problem because in my opinion, you can't operate in life going around being not prejudicial towards mental health. The whole affliction of mental health is that the way you're acting, the way your brain is making you act doesn't fit with the norms that allow you to be happy, whatever those may be. You can't fit into society. You're upset. You can't find a network, a way to exist in this world. So if you're afflicted with something that makes you act contrary to the way the average person is operating, how can you go around? It's an impossibility to go around and not be prejudicial towards someone like me when they have a thing. You know? that Of course it's going to happen because if I'm reacting, let's say, to, you know, and I'll use a real example, like someone moving something of mine over and over and over again. And I, I have a thing with organization. I just need to be able to find stuff. Now, if I start freaking out and, 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 and really being crazy about it and really like having a panic attack and being scared and because you moved something, now, your initial reaction is not going to be, well... This is OCD, unless you maybe you know me and you've been around that trigger before. Your initial reaction is going to be like, uh, what the hell are you talking about? Like, what, what are you going on about? Why are you acting this way? As is what you should do. And not everyone's going to be able to do that calmly and be able to, to, to take that. And guess what? Your calm attitude towards that person might not end what they're going through. It might, it, it probably is likely out of their control already. So this idea that, you know, it, it, you're just going to be not prejudiced towards mental health makes no sense. You'd have to operate in this very odd way, you know, and that's an easy scenario where I'm around the person where I can go afterwards, you know, hey, like I have OCD. I'm sorry. I freaked out, whatever. Think about all the people that you run into in the world. You don't know if they have some mental health struggle they're going through. You don't know the phone call, the person you talk to, they're going through something. I mean, it's, mm -hmm. f it's fairly likely. What, what is it? One in five people at this moment are going through some sort of mental health crisis. Now, if it's a man, they're likely not seeing treatment. So you have a pretty good chance that every fifth dude you talk to is an untreated person with something he's going on, statistically. A and so even beyond that there might not be seeking treatment. And then the people that are in treatment, it's like, well, what are they going to call? tell everyone? They're going to call the pizza place that you work at. <laughs> you know what I mean? They're not going to call, <laughs> call back and go, hi, is this Joni's pizza? When I screamed before about the pepperoni, that was, you know, I have a condition. No, it's pri it is private to a certain extent. And I have the privilege of being bold and outgoing in my personality when I do things. I have to talk. I have to create entertainment. But the idea that medical conditions shouldn't be private, it again, you know, it's like we don't do this for other things that definitely have a stigma. You know what I mean? Mm -hmm. Like there's no eliminate the stigma of incontinence. You know what I mean? Like because it's yeah. private. Because it's a private thing that you go through and people should be sensitive to it. But but it's actually degrading to mental health to be like, we're going to get rid of the stigma. It's like, it's a medical condition. Okay, get rid of the stigma of people going to therapy. That's actionable. Talk about going to therapy. Be a, be a guy like me, which the group we're investigating is a thing. They're they afraid of therapy, which lots of men are. Just say you go. I, was, I had my therapist uh, early this morning. 
I've already been to therapy on this exact day, you know, and people are really reticent to say that as if it's, as if you're crazy. I mean, which I am, but I'm the least amount of crazy that I can be. Um, It's, it's, there's no one straight answer. And it's been interesting to do it with a condition. I'm sure you've had this too. It's great to do it with a condition. Not great. <laughs> it's so much fun that there's suffering in the world. It's, it's very interesting to do it with a condition you don't have where I'm not stuck in a cult. I've only had brush-ins with abusive relationships and I've had more than brush-ins with abusive relationships, but I've had brush-ins with abusive relationships. I've had brush-ins with cults. And so it's very easy right now. I'm not in that to kind of look at this stuff from a sort of third party perspective. Now there's people in my life that are still suffering from the abuse and things they've gone through. And so there is that close connection and I am able to talk to them more about what they're going through and through this investigation. But honestly, even that, that's not nearly as important as like listening to them and hearing what they're going through. So it's it's not you can't really create a sensitivity to it. It almost makes mental health people into some sort of uh, creed or race. It, it, it's not. It's a disease. It's it's a sickness. It's mental health illness, um, and, and that's what those people are going through. I think all you can do is really pr- promote inventorying, and and that's what I've learned through learning about cults is like. We made this great video and I'm happy to give this audio to anyone that wants to use it in their podcast about how someone creates coercive control and how a cult gets formed. And like, it's been really interesting to see three things happen. One, seeing the juxtaposition between cult and abuse and having people who've been abused reach out and be like, wow. And people in my life be like, that's exactly what that person did to me. The second thing is seeing people in the group we're investigating, which we're the first to classify it as a cult, MGTOW, which is a men's rights red pill cult. Um, seeing, having them say to us, yeah, like it was a cult. This is making it make a lot more sense for me. And then the third thing is when you tell people, hey, these are the signs to look out for for a coercive group. They go, that is why that, uh, that person was trying to do to me. I couldn't figure out what this person wanted from me and the way they were treating me in the irrational way. Or, oh man, I was sucked into some affiliate selling. I was sucked into some motivational speakers thing, you know? And they go, that was definitely coercive things. There's a, a spectrum. And so I think being aware, like, I'm down in the dumps. I'm to an irregular point of view. You know, we have some of that stuff happening now with like certain mental health things, but you need to just start, in my opinion, like learning about any scenario that can happen to you, you know? Yeah. Yeah, absolutely. Um, there was a lot to unpack there. <laughs> Could you clarify what a, a red pill cult is, though, for me? Sure, absolutely. So red pill cults are – there was a, um internet trend of this idea uh, springing from the movie The Matrix and from pickup artists who will claim they can kind of get you girls using pseudoscience. Um, and this turned into red pill, which is learning the truth that women are just – after you and that women are manipulatable and creatures that can be manipulated. That's red pill on the internet. It's a hashtag in itself. 
Red pill cults gotcha. are groups that we've identified as cults because they use coercive control. They use ab abusive tactics. They want unbridled control over these people's lives. Um, the philosophy. They, w they want every man on earth to use this philosophy as to save the world. Um, and there are groups within them, within Red Pill, that are cults. MGTOW is one of them. M-G-T-O-W. And you can go to MGTOWisacult.com and see our podcast, see our stuff about it. And um, they've transformed from what was ignorant bigotry and pseudoscience and misogyny into coercing, scaring, targeting, and embracing young men who are afraid of mental health, who are afraid of relationships, who don't know anything about relationships, who are angry, who are suicidal. One of the things that they definitely target is MGTOW Saves Lives is their moniker in a lot of places. And they will imply anytime there's a suicide that it, uh, it has to do with a straight girl taking advantage of a straight male. And, you know, these are all their... They have terms, thoughts, and all these different um, simps and, and blue pill and red pill. These are their words of indoctrination, not my beliefs. <laughs> but uh, <laughs> they use that for, for men who are scared of getting therapy, of being in relationships, who don't know anything about the world, are just angry about something else, who feel unheard, and they indoctrinate them in. And there's, there's different levels of it. So that's what we're sort of trying to, as, as a man, I feel responsible to try and stop this, not just because of the women in my life that are affected by abusers and the fact that this group does kind of promote attitudes that will create more abusers. Definitely. Um, but other guys, I know friends that I've had that a friend that I had that was sucked into it. Friends that I've had that feel like they could have been sucked into this. And like, I think it's a role of men to stop a, a, a cult like this, not just any cult to stop it, but like to get the word out there on like being, a better man and stopping this whole 10,000 year cycle of abuse that we're in between men and women and just men and men um, and women and women uh, because that's the other thing that MGTOW robs of, of these people is they have decided that it's only men and women that have these things. They don't really understand the abuse between two gay men, two women, two trans. It, it doesn't make any sense to them. They they do cat they rob the actual discussion on the internet and making any progress. Hmm. Okay. I see. Um. So how did how did you get into this investigation? So, I had a friend who started to act terribly towards me, um, and started to say weird things about dating and different stuff and. It started, he was really isolating himself from me. And so I kind of said, like, do you, like, not want to spend any time with me? Uh, to which I would have been fine with. But his reasoning was this group. And I felt an obligation as a friend to try and reach out. And so we made a video about our intervention. Now, I didn't know that he was going to be this extreme, that he was going to be in MGTOW. I didn't know that he was going to have these beliefs. From hearing it, from knowing about the people in my life that were abused, from losing a friend, I felt as though we could do two things. One, investigate this thing. And two, learn about cults in a real way. Because a lot of cult stuff is just very dark and like, you know, it's distant. It's distant mm -hmm. from, from, from the problem. 
it's not actually talking about the problem. It becomes this spooky thing that doesn't happen to everybody. And the more we talk to cold people, the more we talk to abuse victims, the more it's like, uh, that happened to me. Uh, I think that's happening to me. Someone's trying to coerce me. Uh, yeah, definitely. That's, that's the way people acted in this cult. And so it was this thing of like, I really want to bring understanding abuse, understanding mental health problems, understanding the internet to a different perspective, which is to say the internet is not, look, my main motivation for keeping going with this thing, once I learned about the cults, was my discovery of hashtag cults. Being able to hide in plain sight and say, oh, we're just uh, this thing. We're just a hashtag. We're just using it. My motivation to keep going was that the world doesn't operate that way. People are not just on the street when I'm wearing an outfit shouting like, oh, those shoes make you look fat. But yet they are on the internet. And it's this phenomena that we refuse to address. And we just say, oh, that's the internet. It's like, well, is it? So... Is it the anonymity thing? Is it the, the, the other stuff? To what we found was there's a large section of people scapegoating on the internet, you know? And mm -hmm. that is a mental health issue. That's a real actionable issue that if we could get rid of that stuff, you know, we did an equation once on the show, which was like, let's say it's a generous number. Half of the men with mental illness are not seeking treatment. Okay, so you've got one quarter uh, and then you've got one fifth of men at any time suffering from some sort of mental health problem. So you can take any user base of a social media platform and generally to a large extent, because a lot of people use social media, it's almost the whole population. Take find out how many users there are on Facebook, find out one fifth of them and divide that by two. And that's how many people might not be in their best mind uh, commenting on the internet. So it's a real issue to say that the internet is just screaming and shouting and that's the way it is. I thought we could impact that. I thought we could show that goes a lot farther. There's this group here that's hiding in plain sight being like, you know, oh, we're fine. And that, that was the, as a journalist, that's what captured me. There were all these really big reasons, really like important life reasons that I wanted to, to, to look into this and I wanted to help stop this. But the reason I kept doing the podcast and we're making a documentary about it and we've talked to members who are still in the group and people that have left the group as well, leaders of it, sort of villains of their group as well, um, cult mm -hmm. experts. The reason I, the story, the story is, is that they're hiding in plain sight. You may know someone in this group. You probably do someone and know someone in MGTOW or involved in Red Pill, uh, especially if you know someone who's been through divorce or who's younger. You know, that's that's crazy. Um, and I know we've I know we've got to got to wrap up here, but I think that if I can if I can make a closing statement. <laughs> It's I, it's, I hope I was clear today. <laughs> I hope, I hope it got you interested to want to go and, 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 and start to think about these issues more critically and mm -hmm. in a fun way. It's to kind of go off a note from earlier. It, it is kind of interesting because I, um, I'm 25 and so I was pretty much raised on the internet of like, don't feed the trolls. That's been the dialogue for so long. And I feel like that has given rise to, things like like MGTOW, uh, their ability to actually form because people don't, 
you know, respond to this or like try to stop them on the internet until like this year, the DAP dialogue, that dialogue has changed to being, no, we need to clap back. Like we can't just see something on like a message board and just like, you know, don't feed into it. Now we need to actually address it. So I wonder how, if MGTOW would not have been able to spread as quickly if that dialogue had existed, you know, early, earlier on in, in the age of the internet. You know, it did. Uh, uh, I have a whole lot of opinions on comments. I think you need to show people love so they feel the love that they can lead. And I mm-hmm. think that there's only two responses when people clap back. It's they want to say, you know, screw you, F you, and they yell at them. Well, they're not going to leave a cult. No one ever, I've talked to Chris Shelton, who was a member of Scientology for 27 years. And he said, every time that somebody did something flagrant and yelling and aggressive, it made me stay in longer. Uh, you know, mm-hmm. that's never what got people out. And so I think a loving dialogue and being like, it's okay. It seems like you're hurting. I hope that you can get help. That's a good thing too. But this dialogue of unmoderated forums, we have a lot of of opinions about comment sections just being open and not moderated by anyone. This came up. We've talked about it. There were forums shut down because they didn't have the manpower or the money to moderate them. This came up very early in the internet. And the decision was amongst a more, an internet that had less, and had more culpability in terms of your own financial investment. The opinion of people that were culpable. And by the way, there was a decision in uh, Australia that says that, uh, a provider, a social media provider, or a provider of something with comments and a forum that the actual provider, like you may be culpable. If someone leaves a comment on my video, I may be culpable for for being, uh, for damages and things like that. That's a new decision coming up. And making people wow. financially, you know, in, in Australia, you could be financially on the hook for something in your comment section. And, and, and those changes are coming. When you had to host your own server and host your own forum, it was very early. You can find lots of issues in the internet of, of shutting down MSN Messenger, for example, because they didn't have the manpower to moderate it and they thought it was problematic. It was there. One of the things for me as a filmmaker, I think, is a, is a great way to end it on is their companies are based on something called disruption. And when you disrupt things, you don't have stability. So if you're on a site that wants to be a disruptor, there might not be stability and taking accountability for, for the, the actions of, of people on the internet is now something that is swinging back around with, with, with financial, you know, when it was, when the internet was smaller, people were, the cops were knocking on the doors of, Hey, did you know all these pedophiles are using your forum? They were knocking on the doors. Now it's become, there's, there's some internet laws that involve that say that if a user posts it, it's, it's a whole other, you can look into the story of back pages to, to learn this law, but, um, we are swinging around. I can, for example, if someone, if you post this on Facebook and someone posts something derogatory as a journalist, I can take your face, your profile photo and your name and publish your comment. I can sue you for liable for the comment. You said, uh, in, in Akron, Ohio, one woman lost, uh, $25,000, $25,000, I think, for some comments she made about a company. It is it is coming back around, and it will take stories like that to say, like, hey, you need to show love when someone's clearly crying out for it. Someone doesn't just randomly start shouting mean stuff. Someone just doesn't start doing that. There's a reason behind it. 
And you need to start taking culpability for the fact that you can create a MGTOW forum to be misogynistic and eugenic by simply making a video on YouTube and titling it MGTOW. You can put a picture of a duck, whatever you want, <laughs> and below it, it will become a MGTOW forum full of hate. That's the way the internet works right now. And that's the main thing that we're trying to investigate is clapping back is probably not a, a great idea. Clapping back in terms of our behavior as men, our behavior as well-adjusted men in terms of reaching out and, and, and showing sympathy. But your aggression is not going to fix theirs. And I think that we do have this evidence that it happened in the internet earlier. It's now time for a revelation. This, uh, there's this word that people use whenever we bring up, get rid of the comment section, which is something I say, get rid of the comment section. And when people go, they go, what about discourse? And I go, what discourse have you had on the internet comment section? Where are mm -hmm. these great philosophers having wonderful conversations in the comments on YouTube? Because I haven't seen them. I see wholehearted agreement and vicious vitriol. I never see a wonderful dialogue. So if we're just going to sit here, it's the same with any mental health thing. We can sit here and pretend it doesn't happen and it'll get worse. You know, that's what you, that's, that's what you as someone who's in treatment have to realize. It's like, yeah, I can just sit around and pretend it's not happening. Cool. And you will feel worse. And that's my attitude as to why all of this ties together and what motivates me to do all these things and why I, I can't separate them right now with this. Maybe I'll come back in on when we finish the movie and talk about how I'm just crazy in one way instead of trying to fix anything on the internet. But I, I <laughs> right now they're inexorably tied. Well, I would say that's a good place to wrap this up. Yeah. So I'm going to stop recording. If I can 